The following podcast is a production of the LAG Radio Network. Welcome to the No Spin Dab Zone podcast. Joining me today is uh, my good friend, Charlie. Hello. <laughs> Glad to hear the enthusiasm. And my other good friend, Isaiah. I think I'm the better friend. We're excited to talk to you about... Ooh. The uh, <laughs> Game Gear Sonic games. They're also known as the 8-bit Sonic games. We're just covering Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 for the Sega Game Gear today. We'll get to the other ones later. But uh, Yeah, we're, we're covering the, the two Sonic games that came out on Game Gear before Sonic 2 came out on the Genesis. Yeah, because I believe technically Sonic 2 came out a little earlier on the Game Gear than the Genesis for some reason. It's weird to me that uh, Sonic 1 and 2 on the Genesis and Sonic 1 and 2 on the Game Gear are completely different games, like with different levels and everything. Yeah, they are vastly different games, 100%. And the we'll, I guess we'll get into that now, huh? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I've, I've noticed a trend that recently has sort of stopped because they've started calling names, they've started calling games different titles. Uh, but it used to be, like, if you made a game for, uh, like, home consoles, and then you made a game for a handheld, they would have the same title, but they would be effectively different games, because, you know, the technology is different, um, and that, that's something that, uh, you saw for not just, like, Sonic the Hedgehogs 1 and 2, you would also see that for, like, uh, Sonic Generations, and, uh... Sonic Colors? There's, there's, yeah, Sonic Colors as well. Um, and wasn't which, Sonic Lost World, didn't that also have like a same thing with the 3DS well, situation where it was Sonic like Lost just World, not the same game? With Sonic Lost World, they called them different games. It was Sonic Lost World uh, Rise of Lyric for the console and... That, that is not... <laughs> Rise of Lyric, it, yeah, Rise of Lyric is oh, Sonic, it's Sonic Boom. Oh, Sonic Boom, my bad, my Sonic bad. Sonic Boom is more of a Sonic 1 and 2 situation where it's actually really different. Yeah. Like different, yeah. different stages and all. But like... Lost World and... Yeah, I, I got Lost World and... Lost World and Colors kind of have the same stages. I, I got uh, Sonic Boom and Sonic Lost World confused. Uh, for Sonic Boom, uh, they call the Wii U version uh, Rise of Lyric, and for the 3DS, they call it Shattered Crystal. So, they're, I think, hopefully, we've reached a point in the industry as a whole where we are actually going to start calling our different versions of the games by different names but at the same time we are still naming games the same name as the first game in the series as well so who knows yeah because they do that shit where they're like we're gonna capitalize on <laughs> nostalgia value so let's just not change the name and then whenever you say XCOM no one knows what the hell you're talking about <laughs> yeah I, I think it's it's the worst with uh, like Star Wars Battlefront because they had Battlefront 1 and Battlefront 2, and then they were like, let's call the next one Battlefront. What do we call the one after that? Battlefront 2. So now there's two Battlefronts and two Battlefront 2s. Or there's Battlefield, where they just called it Battlefield 1, which is just like, they, we already saw how the Xbox One naming convention went. Why did we do it again on a video game? <laughs> no, I, my, my opinion is that AAA companies just don't have to worry about their titles 
like, they don't have to worry about making sure their titles are good because they have a marketing department to make it, make sure it doesn't matter. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that I can't scrutinize them for it. Yeah, for sure. But it, it just means that whenever people are like, this title sucks, the developer, publishers, I guess, probably are in more control are just like, well, that doesn't matter. We don't care if you think it sucks, because... The, the according to the charts, it's better. Yeah, according so, to our uh, what do they call it? The focus group, it did really well. Yeah, and I think that's probably I don't think it was a fo- focus group, but I think probably that was the thinking behind uh, Sonic One for the Game Gear. Well, uh, everybody likes Sonic the Hedgehog for the Genesis. Now we've got this Game Gear. How do we buy it? Well, obviously we make a Sonic game for it. Let's call it Sonic the Hedgehog, so people can be like. I'm playing Sonic the Hedgehog on the Game Gear and Sonic the Hedgehog on the Genesis. Somehow they both have blast processing. Well, I think the th- it's always a focus group, first of all. <laughs> I don't know if it was always a focus group then, but any anytime I hear about a, d- a decision on the PR side of video games being made, it's always a focus group. There's always a focus group behind it. Hashtag always a focus group. <laughs> Get it trending. I think uh, Sega has certainly at the time less of a corporate vibe uh in in part that that opinion of mine is is colored by the idea that sega actually never knew what they were doing uh (laughs) to the same extent other companies knew you didn't have to say the same extent so just sega never knew what they were doing (laughs) yeah sega never knew what they were doing and they still definitely don't but this time there are focus groups i think that they always had focus groups because didn't they talk about dealing with focus groups and they were picking the mascot uh yeah actually well it wasn't it wasn't focus groups it was one of the developers was just in uh i think it was Times square in new york it was definitely in new york but they were just on the streets in new york showing people pictures that they were like which which character do you like more just out there doing god's work making furries it was very much not a focus group it was these are random strangers who will probably never play this game that's what a focus group is you can argue it's a focus group because you're like specifically sampling a demographic. It's not as carefully selected, but like Yeah, I think it's this it's got all the same problems that a focus group has. <laughs> That's fair. That's certainly fair. Like for for better or for worse, I think that it's basically a focus group. Yeah. Which right. I I don't know. I hate focus groups and like you should tailor people that you're trying to sell a game to should be the people that are going to buy the game, not the people that you want to buy the game. Well, you also have to keep in mind, this is the 80s when A, nobody bought games, and B, nobody knew who bought games. I'm not saying that the problems don't make sense. I'm just saying, like, this is the way we should think about it, and we still don't think about it that way. Oh, sure, sure. Which I think is, like, pretty much unacceptable. Historical lens is is pretty important for this, because when Sonic 1 released, Sega was like, oh, crap, well, we, we have lightning in a bottle here, and it's doing great among, like, people slightly older than Nintendo's demographic, so let's gonna lean into that and make it, like, slightly edgy. Wait, hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> are you telling me that, are you telling me that they were like, let's make it slightly edgy, and then they released Sonic for the Game Gear? Because <laughs> this game is, like, pink and blue, and it's, like, very cutely drawn. 
I want to clarify, when I say slightly edgy, I mean like 90s edgy, not 2000s edgy. Because 2000s edgy is like, let's use black and red and like, talk about death and our feelings. 2000s edgy is literally out of the edge. But this game isn't either of those things. In fact, the, I'd say this game, the first Sonic Game Gear game, took all the edge off. The first boss is literally just Eggman without anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I actually, I'm pretty sure he does attack if you, like, wait long enough. Yeah, if you're a chimpanzee that's, like, taking a tranquilizer dart to the forehead. I will say, Sonic 1 for the Game Gear is probably the cutest Sonic has been. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know what you mean, yeah. Edgy. It's so, like... Like squishy. This is the this is the gummy bear of Sonic games. It's interesting because they originally wanted Sonic to be not necessarily cute, but like they wanted him to be simple enough that you could draw him, that anybody could draw him, uh, which which typically translates to cute. Well, I think it just it translates to like circular. Yeah. Well, they did absolutely want a like round sort of theme. Yeah. And that's why their, their two most popular dudes were a hedgehog, for some reason, and an old man for, again, some, some reason. reason. Yeah, I you say this as if, like, they had rationale. It really doesn't seem to make much sense. I think that the idea of, like, Eggman being an analogy for, like, the industrialization of modern culture makes a lot more sense than just, like, he's cute and fat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I believe, if I remember correctly, the original design for him, again, as the protagonist, yeah. was a dude in, like, a cap and gown, like, he's trying to sleep. Yeah, he was supposed to, he was supposed to be, like, a sleepy fat man, which, again, yeah. I don't know who thought that kids would like that. Well, Freyan, he was the second most popularly picked dude of the drawings that the developers had in Times Square in New yeah, York. Yeah, from their awful focus group that didn't make any sense. I agree. <laughs> from their focus group of people who live in New York ages, like, 11 to 60. That's, yeah. that's like walking up to people uh, uh, who think the video game is like Pac-Man, and they're like, which one do you want? And they're like, isn't he supposed to be, like, a circle and a, like, single color? Yeah, well, I mean, so... Sega wanted Sega wanted Sonic to be like uh, something that that everybody would like the look of. They wanted Sonic to be like, oh yeah. Oh, you mean they wanted a marketable protag? Yeah, they wanted exactly. They wanted a marketable protag, and then it sort of took off in a demographic, a specific demographic they weren't expecting, which is basically uh, anyone. To put it in the most interesting way possible, the older brothers of the people who bought Nintendo Entertainment Systems, which basically is like slightly younger than teen to teen range, was was really what uh, the the audience that Sonic found, and so I. Maybe they didn't do this with the Game Gear, but certainly, like, Sonic 2 and, and Sonic 3 promotional material, they sort of leaned into that. Well, yeah, he definitely has attitude on the, like, cover art for Sonic 2, but... That being said, uh, you did bring this point up on the episode where we're talking about the Sonic Game Gear games, which are the <laughs> cutest, silliest Sonic games ever. Yeah, that's true. No, you're right. So, uh, as interesting a point as that is, it does seem a little irrelevant. <laughs> I'm, I'm googling the Sonic the Hedgehog Game Gear cover art, which, oh snap, it's cute. Yeah, this game is 100% super cute. It's also, it feels like it was not designed by anyone who ever touched the first Sonic game. <laughs> For sure, yeah, absolutely. It's It's got so many weird design choices, and that, oh, uh, we'll get to Sonic 2 for the Game Gear, but, so real quick, let's get a general vibe before we go in. Thumbs up, thumbs down, Sonic for the Game Gear, just the first game. Uh, yeah. Charlie, you go first. Thumbs up. Uh, Steven, you go second. 
Uh, I generally have a thumbs up. I think that it has some of the problems that the first Sonic has with the uh, stages being a little weird, but I'd say for the experience and the gameplay, it's a thumbs up. Yeah, I'm going to give it a thumbs up, and I'm going to say that of the three games we've played so far, I've enjoyed this one the most. Same. Uh, uh, well, so far, we've only played two games. It's only until the next part of the podcast that we'll have played three. <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm going to travel through time ahead, like, an hour or so. Stop breaking immersion. <laughs> Alright, so of the two games that we've played so far, because we definitely haven't played the second game that we'll be talking about... I mean, if we're talking like that, then I would say of the 60 Sonic the Hedgehog games that I've played... Alright, fine. <laughs> okay, Sonic the Hedgehog 1 for the Game Gear, for me, is a significantly better experience than Sonic 1 for the Genesis. Yeah, I think that that applies if you're only looking at the gameplay. But, uh, let's start digging into the levels themselves. First level of Sonic Game Gear is really good. I don't think that it has any of the, like, really cool set pieces that Green Hill Zone has, like the ability to stay invincible the whole time, or the infamous segment where it throws you in a hole and makes you yeah. learn about mortality. To be fair, yes. that was the second act. It, well, yeah, but I'm talking about the whole Green Hill Zone. I was just I was just bringing two examples, like one from each segment. I mean, it definitely made me feel very fast, the first part, first act, but the second one was a really weird mountainous climb thing. I still feel like you can get through it really fast. You can, and it's pretty good, but, you know. It just, it's more complicated, because the first level is super simple, and then the second level is a little more, like you said, uh, yeah. mountainous. Well, the second level, I thought it was interesting that they're like, right off the bat, we're just gonna shove you underground, which, as a, like, Green Hill Zone, Sonic 1 for the Genesis never did anything like that. Yeah, and I think that it's for the better, because this, honestly, to me, just highlights the fact that the backgrounds in this game aren't great, whereas they were really cool yeah. in the first Sonic. Yeah, for sure. Like, and that's fine, you know, it is a, like, handheld game, but... Yeah, they were they were very limited in what, in what they could draw on screen, which I think the Genesis probably was operating at full capacity to, to make the incredible backgrounds. I, I mean, full capacity is not what I would say, because the next two Sonic games look even better. Nah, you're right, you're right. But I think, like, they were really trying to make the most of the processing power that they had. Yeah, I think they were learning their hardware, and they wanted it to look good, for sure. Yeah, in, in the same way that, like, Super Mario Bros. 1 reuses art and recontextualizes it for the, the cloud in the bush, because they were trying to maximize their hardware, and then flash forward to Super Mario Bros. 3, and that's not even something they gotta worry about, because they just figured everything out by then. Yeah, it was explored territory. Yeah. I do think, though, that this game suffers a little bit when it comes to, like, level design in general, because a lot of it doesn't feel like it's built for Sonic, it's just a platformer. They use springs a lot in this game. Yeah, it, it feels like your speed and acceleration are not, like, the level design doesn't account for specifically Sonic's physics, which are are different from the Genesis version. Very, yeah. They, they feel, you feel a lot more, uh, it's it's a lot easier to accelerate in this game, and you don't feel yeah. as penalized for being on slopes in this game. Absolutely. Which, personally, I found to be a lot more enjoyable, but I also know, design-wise, that does mean that you can't design levels in such a way that turn those frustrations into uh, abilities, like they will do in later Sonic games. 
physics. Yeah. Well, and I also think that there's nothing wrong with the change in physics. I just don't think that the game accounted for it, and I don't think the game... I, it really feels like this game wasn't designed by anyone from the original Sonic team, and they just looked at the original game and were like, yeah, we can spitball it. Let me see if I can figure out who's on the dev team. But I do... I'll say overall, I like the art assets of this game a little bit more than I do the Genesis one, except for the backgrounds and foregrounds. Because the island that you're on looks really cool, and it's nice to have an overworld. I like the way the rings look. They aren't really animated, but they look really good. They feel good to grab. So, Sonic 1 for the Game Gear was not developed by Sega. It was developed by Ancient. I figured that it was a third-party thing. It, it yeah. feels third-party the whole way through, pretty much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, I, yeah, I like the assets a lot. Some of them look like they're reused from uh, the first Sonic, like the palm trees. They look like they're just a crunch sprite version of the ones from the actual Genesis release. Yeah, yeah I, could, I could totally see that. But then, like, some other stuff is completely different. Like, the second area, the bridge, is just full of different assets, and then the third area is, like, something that has never been in a Sonic game. What's the third area? It's like a foresty, jungly type thing, with, like, vines oh, and stuff. Yeah. Let's see if I can find a list of the levels. Because I, unfortunately, did not get... Ah, no, I got halfway through it, just like Sonic 1. Okay. Wait, hold it. You only got three zones in the Sonic 1, right? Uh, yeah. I actually, I got through Jungle Zone, if I remember correctly, and Labyrinth Zone was where I stopped. Oh, when you say Sonic 1, you didn't, you meant Sonic 1 8-bit. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I got, I got through, uh, two or three zones in Genesis, and I got in three zones in, uh, 8-bit. But there are six zones in 8-bit, Yeah. there are seven in Genesis. That's why I was confused, because I thought you were implying that the three zones you got through in the first Sonic game were half of the game, and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think actually, I mean, looking at, looking at the list of levels, it looks like they change a few things around, but like, Labyrinth Zone, Scrap Brain Zone, and I think Sky Base Zone are all in Genesis as well. Yeah, but the jungle zone and the bridge are certainly... Yeah, for sure. Also, bridge zone and jungle zone are probably the worst zone names. Like in Yeah, it's franchise. like somebody from Sega didn't even come up with them. Dot, dot, yeah, dot. It's, it's like somebody from a company called Ancient came up with it. Anyway, yeah, Labyrinth and Scrap Brain are both uh, in the original game. And Skybase is, is an original is a is a new zone for the six the eight bit one. Uh, I also feel like the crippling issue with these games uh, that I noticed all the way through was this like super small. I don't know if you call it draw distance or what, but just the screen like does not show you nearly enough at any point. Yeah, I for sure the way the levels are designed, and I think I think it's way worse in the second game. Personally. It's awful. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But yeah, like you said, we'll get there. Yeah, uh, there are a few times where it feels like the game expects me to be able to see something I can't possibly see, and I feel like it's got to be the idea that oh, you'll just eventually memorize the levels. Like you just. I don't even want to give it that much credit because there seems like when you drop frames and stuff like that, it suddenly becomes really random when you're able to like actually jump. And also, these games have a little bit of input lag. I don't know if you guys experienced that, but I'm getting. I was getting like at least 10 frames of input lag, like maybe more. Yeah, I I saw in in Sonic 2 there were situations where uh, because of lag I would hit a jump button and it just wouldn't get picked up at all. And I don't know I don't know if that was my like controller in the computer because I'm running an emulator, 
Uh, yeah, I, I, it, to me it feels like hardware, because there are, like the actual game itself, because there are uh, points where I would hit, like, down, and I would immediately curl up, or I would hit left while running, and I would immediately turn left. But I think just starting to run or hitting the jump button is for some reason delayed. I didn't really experience that problem. I was playing it on Sonic Adventure DX, and it, I mean, I'm also the kind of person that doesn't notice the input lag that much because I don't care about things that people care about because I am a filthy casual. I didn't, uh, I didn't notice it until the second game, but I'm, I'm currently playing the first game, and uh, it's, it's noticeable when you're looking for it. Like if you tap left and then listen for the sound of a mechanical keyboard, you'll like hear the sound, then see Sonic move. Yeah. I, I would assume also probably that the port in uh, Sonic Adventure DX is better than the base emulator. Because these games have been ported around for a while, and sometimes they've been improved, and sometimes they've introduced glitches. Uh, well, that's what, that's what Sonic's all about, really. Uh, I'm, I'm on, like, Sonic Retro, looking at Sonic the Hedgehog 8-bits, like, wiki entry. I wonder if there's, like ports that I can that I can find to see. Oh yeah, versions. Um, it doesn't say the difference between versions, so unfortunately I can't uh, provide any insight there. Well, that's fine. I, I really don't think we should ta be taking too much of that into account anyway, but it's nice yeah. to know that, Charlie, you checked that out on a different system than we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I think the experience probably would be a little bit different. So, how do you guys feel about the first segment of the bridge zone. Well, actually, you know, here, I don't think we fully finished our uh, talk about the mountain area, like the second Green Hill Act. Th thumbs up or thumbs down for that as a Sonic At the time, I was seriously having a thumbs up, and I think it might have just been my mood at the time, but there was a serious, like, I felt like the game wanted me to find my path rather than perfect my path which was something that was very new to me, and because I had never played this game before, I've played most all Sonic games, basically, but I've never played this one before, and I just didn't, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about, like, how to get to special uh, stages, like, what the, the down arrow capsule, like, did, you know, uh, so I, I very much, I went in blind, and uh, because I didn't know anything, uh, I think not knowing where to go in Act 2 uh, made, like, really became a part of that experience of finding things out for the first time, and it made me enjoy it a lot more. Um, so I actually, I actually was giving it a thumbs up. I see that for sure. Um, I, I played this game multiple times. I don't know how many runs you guys had through. I, I basically I ran through uh, till close to the end of the bridge Act 2 probably like a dozen times at least and I learned like yeah. the route through the mountain mm -hmm. and I think it's cool your first playthrough but I think by the second you realize that it's not a super well designed level and it's not nearly as fun after you've played it multiple times and I think yeah. that, that, that's not necessarily a problem because it's also really fast to get through if you skip the emerald yeah uh, I actually never got the emerald uh, in in this zone, but I did get the emerald in the in the following zone. Yeah, the bridge. It's not that you have to look for it. You just have to be like gutsy and like take a gamble. Yeah. Which which I like. I like how there are different kinds of emeralds that are around. I think that it's a nice way to distribute I, them. I really when I saw that because uh, special stages. I by that point I knew existed. Um, 
because and and I I want to talk about this. I want to talk about special stages later. So we'll we'll, we'll skip past that for now. But I knew special stages existed, and I thought getting through them was how you got the emeralds. So when when I got to Bridge Zone and I saw the emerald there, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> uh, and and just that became a moment of like, "Well, I have to get this right now." Um, so you didn't even know there was one in the in the second act of Green Hill Zone. Yeah, I, I completely missed it in Green Hill Zone, but when I saw it in Bridge Zone, I was like, this means there was more for me to discover in Green Hill Zone, and this is now a challenge that I have to overcome right now. And I it was it was really like it, it was it was just fun to feel like uh, I'm discovering. There was something more to the level that you didn't see. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't just rings or a one up. Yeah, it, it was something that, like, really mattered. It was the basically the key to the good ending, I would assume. Yeah, whatever that may be. I, I don't think... Did any of us beat this game? No. No. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's, uh... I, I think that's good for what we're going for, because when I was, uh... I guess coming up with the idea for the podcast, I more or less wanted it to be base-level, like, reactions to these games, and not, like, full yeah. reviews. So this is uh, sort of like a... I guess a casual look at the Sonic franchise, if you will. A, a casual but very granular look. Like we we can go in in huge detail at what we did play while admitting that we left the second half of the game completely unexplored. Oh yeah. Well, and I think that's fine because I think that's the way that a lot of people would have played it at the time. Yeah, for sure. Um. So when you guys got to the first act of the bridge zone, how do you feel about it? Um. Let me let me boot up the the map that I've got uh, for Bridge Zone so I can like. That's a good call. Uh, yeah, I remember. I the, died a lot. The spiky the spiky snail dude, right? Yeah, spiky uh, snail dude is the first thing that happens. What do you guys? Thumbs up, thumbs down. That that obstacle. I, I I don't know. I will say I have I I played the stage like five times at least, and I've never died to him. Okay, Charlie, what's your thought on it? He wasn't a big issue, but when I started like getting Gerard syndrome, I started like dying to it. Yeah, when I mean, you got super yeah. impatient. Yeah. That and like sense. the the first time like I died, it was just like not to the snail, but later on, I just like was seeing if there was more to a platform, and I accidentally just fell, and I'm just like, well. <laughs> and then I died, and I got a game over, and then I just like, well. And I play it later, and I was a bit more wary of the snail. Even though I died the first time my second playthrough, but... Beware the snail. Beware the snail. Yeah, that, that snail, what gets me about that snail is that you you see him spawning, and he, like, is in the air and falls down. Yeah. So I was like... <laughs> I like the snails. I think that there are points where they are not... They're really mean, the way they use the snails. Oh yeah, for sure. Because if you're not aware, the snails can't be defeated by jumping on them. You have to roll through them. Or there's a very specific window where if you jump before you get to them and you're not high enough, you'll still kill them. Like if you're coming up through them, they'll die. Yeah, you have to you have to approach them from the front or behind. So you can like hold, you can like run, hold down, and then jump right before you hit a snail. There's a little bit of a window basically for you to jump. Because the snail right after him is like a cutoff for a platform. So if you're running. You have to kill him and then immediately be ready to jump. So I I think this this zone is the first zone where there are really a lot of jumps where uh, you are not positive whether or not there's gonna be something when you land. Oh yeah, there's tons of and that I think has to deal with like the screen size and 
uh, also, for some reason, they, like, put Sonic on really far left, and then they kind of pan, like, so that Sonic is a little bit lower on the screen, so you can't see as much below you. Yeah, which which is really a problem when you have uh, platforms that are, like, to the right and slightly below the platform you were standing on, which they have a lot in this stage. Yeah, a lot in general for, like, this game and the next game. Uh, yeah. it's, it's just, it seems like they didn't place their platforms, like, and then check where they were in engine. They just kind of, like, made a map, and then they were like, yeah, this yeah. looks like you could jump. Well, uh, the way, the way it used to be, I don't know if this is true for, uh, Sonic for Game Gear, but I know it was true for Super Mario Bros., is, uh, like, level designers would, uh, design a level on paper, and then the programmer would, uh, like, program the locations of, of all of the objects. It wasn't, it wasn't like a visual, like, place it in the level and then playtest or anything like that. Uh, obviously there would be playtesting if you were a competent developer, but not everybody was. Um, not anybody was. So... Nobody was. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Super Mario Bros, they had competent developers, but, you know, uh, that's that was different. The, that was the main game, though. Well, also, I don't think that the first Super Mario Brothers game, as we keep calling it, it's just bros. There's no T or H anywhere. There's no... Oh, yeah, there's no others. Super Mario Bros. You're right. Yeah. Um, but uh, the first Super Mario Bros. game, that, like, I don't think is super well-designed, personally. It, I think it was more well-designed than most games that were out at the time. I mean, sure, it beat Pac-Man. Like, uh, it's not hot garbage, but I don't think it's, you know, like a Marvel or anything. I think it's still people getting their feet on the ground when it comes to game design. So, and 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 we can have a podcast where I talk about why Super Mario Bros. 1 is important design-wise. Um, it, it was really one of the first, certainly the first to popularize the idea that video games should be designed and all aspects of video games should be designed. Because uh, on, on the Atari, you know, and I, I think I talked about this last week, um, every, on, on the Atari, uh, everybody who worked on a game was working solo on a game. You were the programmer, and uh, you were you were called the game programmer. But you also did all the design, you did all of the artwork, and you did all of the sound design as well. Artwork with big and air quotes. Artwork with astronomic air quotes, and same with sound design. And and part of this was a hardware issue. The Atari just couldn't have amazing sound because it just the tech wasn't good enough. Yeah. Uh, so music and sound effects were usually the same thing. Uh, in Dig Dug, there's like this uh, little jingle that plays whenever you walk, and that's the soundtrack to the game. I, I do um, think that all of this is a little far off from the point, though. Basically, uh, <laughs> and it's all accurate, and that's fine, but First Mario, as a game, is not super fun, to me anyway. I, I know people love it, and that's fine. And I don't think yeah. it's like terrible, but it just I think it kind of shows that the, the conventions of game design were not quite there yet. Yeah, I like game design is is absolutely an ever evolving like field. Like uh, design gets dated for sure, um, and and a part of that is we learned that some stuff is better than the stuff we've been working with, and a part of that I think is is like a cultural shift over time. We find certain uh, trends to be more fun at different points in time. 
Yeah, um, but I think that like the so these Sonic games, I definitely think hold up better than the original Mario games. And I don't know, maybe people are gonna freak out about that. But the, to me, it seems like there's a lot more agency on the player of like what they want to do. There's a lot more like respecting the player's time, I guess, if you will. Like you're seeing more different things the more you play. You're getting like I I think that the game hands out one-ups a little more generously and the comparison should be made against like Super Mario World I guess but even then yeah. like the art in that game isn't super great to me anyway again I, it's a preference thing but like the art in the, that game isn't super great the like the level design is interesting frequently but it's also it feels like you're playing a slightly different game each time and they don't I don't think they ever explore most of the mechanics until you get to like the special zone like, the ghost houses explore mechanics really well, the special zones explore mechanics really well, and then everything else is kind of like, what if this was a game? I mean, obviously, now we have to do a podcast where we play through all the Mario games. I refuse, because uh, that's something I've already done before. It's boring. <laughs> I think I think probably, I would say that Sonic, Sonic Genesis is more interesting looking and better looking than Super Mario World, but I don't know if I would say that it's designed better. It's not designed better, it's just designed like more compactly. Like, I think the experience itself is more clean. Yeah. Um, there's a, I think there's I, a lot I more to do. I generally prefer the Super Mario World approach to design as opposed to the Sonic 1 approach, but... Um, I really don't. I think that the idea of having one simple thing that you do, even if you don't do it for as long, but it's like tailored really well, is a lot more fun. Uh, and I mean, I beat all of Super Mario World and like yeah. when I was a kid, and obviously I had a fun time. It's not a bad game by any means. It's a really for good sure, game. For sure, for sure. And there's a lot there. I think it rewards exploration and stuff like that, which is something I value a lot. But I do think that like when it when it comes to just the levels and the things that they do, I think that they're a lot more like. Like, Sonic's world is tailored to him, whereas Mario's world, you need kind of, like, the cape to explore it effectively, which I think is yeah. highlighting, like, an issue. Because Sonic doesn't ever need to fly for you to be able to, like, understand how to get everywhere, and different areas that you need to get to have different skill levels, whereas Mario, if you're just kind of, like, looking around, you'll find it, and if you have the wing, you'll you'll be fine. I also think that stuff like, like uh, invincibility in Mario, like, feels a little bit more like it's just there, because it, like... It is, and invincibility in Sonic. They put you, they give you invincibility right before like a little challenging jump segment that has spikes, so that if you get to the spikes fast enough, like if you're bold enough, you can use the invincibility to just run through. Invincibility in Sonic absolutely matters more than invincibility in Mario. I know, I know this is in in newer Mario games. What they tend to do is they give you invincibility that you can't miss. Like you're gonna get this invincibility, and then they show you. Uh, like, they, they just give you a bunch of enemies to just run through yeah. and, like, have fun with. Uh, have fun in air quotes, because... Yeah, yeah, it's more I, about, like, know. yeah, it feels good to run through enemies more than in Sonic, where it's, yeah, you really needed this, and, like, you're actually, you're using this, like, effectively, rather than... Uh, you would like an opportunity to use it. Yeah, and also, like, stuff... You know how Mario has coins, right? And you can get one-ups, and that's all yeah. well and good. But Sonic has rings, and you need those to survive. So basically, when you have zero rings, that one ring is so much more important, whereas in Mario, if you have zero coins, each coin actually matters less. Like, until you get 
90 coins, most coins feel like they don't matter. It's only when you reach that cusp of like, oh, I could get a 1-up right now, that it becomes important. Whereas with Sonic, you're like, you're kind of already in the way of the rings, and I think that the Sonic Game Gear games actually place rings really poorly. Because uh, a lot of them yeah. are in places where you'll have to stop moving if you want to grab all the rings. They're also just really big, so it's like you have it's like a chore putting them somewhere where they're not totally in the way. Yeah, they, a lot of yeah. times they're just they're just kind of put above or something like above a spring or on a platform, but never too far directly in front of you. Yeah, I think I think in Sonic Two it's done a lot worse. It's oh um, again. Everything in that game feels worse, but we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. True. Also, say 8-bit Sonic 2 for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Game Gear Sonic 2, GG Sonic 2 something. Handheld Sonic 2. Alright, uh, so the next thing that I want to talk about is the special stages in this game, which are actually completely separate from the Chaos Emeralds. Um, Charlie, how did you feel about the special stage in this game? Because I know you weren't the biggest fan of the special stage in the first Sonic game. Oh, I never made it. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. You okay. never made it? Oof. I, that's, that's something I always forget about this game, is that you get the emerald, but then you actually don't get the emerald. Do you, what is it, you have to get like 50 rings after you get the emerald? It's, uh, no. yeah, it might, be, it might be that you need both, but I think you can just get it from 50 rings. I'm not sure if you need an emerald. So, but it's you just, can just get it from 50 rings. Then why just why have the emerald there? Uh, for the plot. It, so basically, the special stage in this game is just an opportunity for you to get more lives, which you will need, because this game just for like sure. kills you a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> I actually do like the idea of well, here's like a bonus for doing well that will give you extra lives that you will need. Like a reward for doing well is now you get to run through a bunch of rings and, and get some lives. Like. You know. Yeah. I think I got to them when I was younger, but I didn't get it in this run. They're just uh, basically like uh, pinball physics for like yeah. getting through a little area. It's kind of like the Donkey Kong special stages where it's just a ton of bananas in a tube and you sort of move around in that tube. But in this game, once you get to the second or third special stage, because they do have different layouts. Uh, so you mean Donkey yeah. Kong Country 1? Yeah. Because well, Donkey Kong Country 2 has some of them, doesn't it? No. The Retro Studios games really follow up on what the first one did, but add a reward just like the two and three do. Yeah, I, I, I think I get what you mean. But basically, this the bonus stage in this game is just a little reward that gives you a little more life. And also, the first one has a continue in it. I don't know if that continues as a trend. <laughs> I know I know the second one does. The, the first one and the second one both have continues in them. Yeah, but... Uh, um, they don't really like. They don't really do much for you. I was just curious if you guys thought they were fun, but I guess if you didn't get to play one, I I enjoyed them partially because uh, again, again it was the it was the mystery for me um, because you get to the end of the stage and you you spin the little boy and uh, every time it was like oh Eggman and there was like a little dun dun sound effect to let you know you done messed up and I was like oh except that you didn't because I believe you can only get Eggman. In that. No, I got a. I actually got Sonic's face one time. No, 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 no. In the special stage, there's another oh, goal yeah. post. 
like, as if it's the end of a level. And it doesn't make any sense, because you're like, my brain right away was like, what if I had 50 rings in here, yeah. and I crossed it? Do I just get to do the special state? And no, it's just not, it's there for no reason. I think no. it's there for, like, programming purposes. Yeah, uh, but so getting into the special stage, you've got the Eggman thing, and I'm like, oh, well, I, I messed something up, so what if I do the stage really well, I have 50 rings, just like in the Genesis version, and it goes, here's an exclamation mark, uh, and then you get to the special stage. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Eggman in the special stage, because that, you no. get Eggman no matter what, and I was like, did you think you messed up? Because you didn't, it just gives you Eggman for no reason. <laughs> I did, I did think I had messed up when I got Eggman at the end of bonus stages, but uh, I'm, I'm talking about getting into special stages, I didn't know how to do that at the time. The only thing I knew was that in Sonic 1 for the Genesis, you gotta get 50 rings uh, and get to the end in order to get to the special stages, so I was like, what if I do that? And so it, it, it was sort of a process for me of, the bonus stage was partially about figuring out how the bonus stage worked. Yeah, which is uh, cool. That's the way it should be. And I, I like the way that they convey that you're either doing something right or you're not doing something right, uh, and let you use that information to figure the rest out for yourself. Yeah, I do think that overall, though, the bonus stage after the first time you do it is obscenely underwhelming. Yeah, for sure. Especially because it's it's very tricky to get, actually, enough rings to get a 1-up. And the continue doesn't really seem to have much value until you understand how it works. Uh, but I don't think it's like a bad reward, I just think it's a little bit underwhelming compared to the Chaos Emerald that you get from most games in this series. But it's cool that that's kind of separate from them in this game. It, it definitely provides a different experience. The last thing I wanted to talk about was, I think we already mentioned that the first boss is super easy. How did you handle yeah. the second boss? What is the second boss? So the second boss is Eggman on like a column that comes up, uh, and it can only come up in two different positions, and it's on this bridge where the bridge kind of dips in two different places, so like, as if there's like three struts holding it up and then it sags in two different areas. Mm -hmm. um, the way I beat the boss was if you tap down and you just don't touch anything, Sonic turns into a ball, and he never turns out of a ball, and he's just invincible, and Eggman will slam his head into him and die. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, um, know, I don't know if you try to jump it or not. You don't have to jump. If you just tap down, he just rolls back and forth and never stops rolling and will just kill Eggman. I did not discover that. Uh, I actually, if you jump, then you can, like, land on top of him again, but his iframes are last slightly longer than your jump, so as soon as you land, you have to jump again, and then you just yeah. continue that cycle. That, that was uh, what I tried to avoid doing by just turning into a ball and winning, and it worked. <laughs> But uh, I think that's everything I've got for Sonic Game Gear. Uh, what do you have, Charlie? So something I really like about it that, you know, that's not really done in pretty much any 2D Sonic game is they have a little map before you start the stage. So yeah. you get a little idea of where you are. And I, I always like those little touches and platformers. Like um, Mario Brothers on, um, on the Game Boy Color does something very similar, but it's like a very generic map and it's only for the... The, the the area that of which you're in, like, you know, 1-4, 1-2, 1-3, you only get that map, but you get this whole map of, like, South Island or where, wherever you are in uh, Sonic 1 on Game Gear, and that's something I really appreciate that I wish the other games did, instead yeah. of just kind of implying where everything is. My problem with, uh, my problem with pre-level maps like that is 
when, like, in, in this game, for example, when you cannot uh, replay levels, like, you can't move around the map and select a level. Um, uh, why is that a problem? Or is it just a personal thing? It, it just... It, it's very much a personal thing, but it's like, when you give me a map, I go, Oh, cool, so can I, like, do stuff with the map? And then the game goes, no, and I go, Well, now I just think the game is worse than games that let me do that. Whereas if you don't show me the map, I never think about that. I think that's a terrible way to think of it, because, first of all, most games <laughs> didn't have stage selects at this point. Yeah, for sure. But in, yeah. addition, in addition to that, like... Do you think that Lewis and Clark got their map out and they were like, Oh great, we have a map so we can turn around and waste time and money and resources and no. food and our will to live to just go backwards through I it. I do think uh, in in Sonic 8-Bit, it, it really doesn't make sense to replay stages. I mean, you could go and get the Chaos Emerald, but uh, those stages were... I, I think it was intended for you to have to like get it all in one go. So Yeah. Uh, and I it's think, not I that hard to. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, I just that's that's just how I feel whenever I see a world map. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I've never felt that way. I I feel like some things are just for presentation. And I mean, I always want mm -hmm. like more from a game, but I think that that would undermine the design of this game. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't even look at it that way. I just because I've also played Castlevania where like they show you a map. And then you see like where you are, and that feels like a sense of progression. Or like uh, Super Ghouls and Ghosts uh, also shows you a map, and that gives you an idea of like where you're at. And it feels cool because you turn around and you look at like everything you've conquered. You know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think I think it's the biggest problem for me personally in the Mega Man games, just because uh, the first half of the game. Well, it's it's because the first half of the game you can select your levels. And you can play them out of order and all that. But then in the second half of the game, it's like, no, it's this order, and you can't go back or anything like that. And again, you wouldn't really want to. Yeah, because you're in the jaws of death. You're like... <laughs> you're, in, you're in, like, Hitler's house. You don't want to turn around and, like, look at the roses. <laughs> Hitler's house. But it, it goes from me having choice to me no longer having choice. Well, I think that that so, helps sure up, like, how important your, like, actions are now. Because it's like, here's the yeah. stakes. You, like, you can't turn around or you die. Yeah. And also, I always felt like you would be the kind of person who wouldn't want a choice in that situation because you get stressed about making choices. You're like, what if I pick the wrong robot master and I don't have his weakness? I mean, okay, in, in the actual, like, when you have a choice, that is something I experience, but then, like, by the time I get to the point where I no longer have a choice, I already have gotten through those decisions. You're like, oh man, now I don't get to make stressful decisions anymore. <laughs> Listen, I am not consistent, but the game should be. Uh, and that's okay. I, I think I understand your complaint. I was just, I just want to put forward that I think that, like, the map is cool because it, you know, it shows you what, yeah. you've, what you've accomplished less than it shows yeah. you like what stages are available. And I think especially the way that they do that, because they don't show you your through line, they just show you one line from where you're going to like where you were. Yeah. You know what, something else came to mind. What's that? The second active bridge zone is auto-scrolling. Oh yeah, it's, it's yes. weird. <laughs> That's uh, not very Sonic-y. I did not mind it, surprisingly. And it's not very good when your screen is so small, because those snails, man, if you don't know where they are, you're done. 
yeah, there's there's a lot of like get to the leftmost part of the screen and then jump to the rightmost part of the screen. Which like would be fine if the whole game were designed around it, but in Mario fashion, it's just this level. It's not great. I, and and I, I surprisingly didn't mind it. I was like, well, this is not the pace that I would like to go, but also, like, most of the level design actually lets me see my jumps before I make them. So, in some ways, this is an improvement. <laughs> it's not... it's not an improvement. I think that... did you only play this once through? I... I... actually, I think I did only play that once through. Okay, yeah, the second time you play it, you feel awful. It feels really bad, because you can't remember yeah. exactly where everything is, but you know that you have to be scared, but you want to get through it, and it, like, there's a couple secrets that I wanted to get, but the stage was just so inconvenient to play through that, like... Yeah, I think auto-scroll stages are, like, terrible for replaying. Yeah, they're awful. I think it's it's a real replay killer. But yeah, it's it's just a weird design choice. I think it's kind of like Marvel Zone, where they didn't know what Sonic was, and this team especially didn't know what Sonic was. They were just kind of throwing things at the wall that worked for the platformers. Like the puzzle-solving stuff. Because in Mario, there's some puzzle-solving, but in that game, you're not always urged to be moving to the right. Like, the ghost houses are cool for that reason, but Marvel Hill Zone is not cool for that reason. Yeah. Marvel Hill Zone? Not what I meant to say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm ready to move on to... Uh, the second Game Gear game, if you guys are. Yeah, me too. Whoa! Yeah. So, Sonic 2 for the Game Gear is quite possibly the single worst game I've ever played. Wow! That's an extremely hot take. There are Sonic fan games that are made in Game Maker by people who I don't think could make a batch of scrambled eggs if they tried that are better than this hot garbage. Now, I do want to take umbrage with the fact that you have said Made in Game Maker as if that's an inherently bad thing. <laughs> when someone is not a skilled programmer, it does show when they are using Game Maker. When someone's not a skilled programmer, it shows regardless of the engine, but it's easier to make a game while being an unskilled programmer. Like, it's easier to quote-unquote finish a game in Game Maker. <laughs> it's also easier to send out inexecutable. And that's what I'm talking about right now. It's just an executable that boots up into like a Sonic game where the screen doesn't move, half the sprites are missing, and the rest of the sprites are just ripped from Sonic games. His animation like stops at a weird spot. You move at one consistent speed. Shout out to Sonic.exe, which was, fun fact, made in Game Maker. And is, fun fact, easier to play than this game. <laughs> I would hardly say it's a better game, though. Oh, I would. I would say that there's more merit to Sonic.exe than this sack of just steaming garbage. I do want to say one positive thing about the game before we uh, continue on this tirade. Alright. Uh, which is the opening cinematic. So, oh, yeah. Quote unquote sure. cinematic. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought it was going to be cool. I got well, me. because it was. <laughs> if that was a commercial, <laughs> I'd have been sold and very angry. So, so you know, the, the problem that cutscene has is that it's very, like, Sonic looks at the camera and then doesn't, and then looks at the camera and then doesn't, and then Eggman, like, kidnaps Tails or whatever. Well, Eggman is just, like, there, and, and like, it goes, and, like, right when I hit the button, he goes away and I didn't get to see it happen. So Sonic was just following Eggman with Tails in his grasp 
for the longest time it didn't like follow attack because he was in a perfect distance to like hit his ass and make him drop him. The biggest problem with that scene is that it's paced very poorly. Like, it just goes on for too long. Uh, but I do like that you boot up the game, it goes Sega, and then it like shows you this like... Uh, it shows you the cutscene with very like delightfully high tension music playing that uh, Sonic 1 didn't do and Sonic 1 also didn't do. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> ne neither of the two Sonic the Hedgehogs for either system yeah. like did that, and so right off the bat, you have more context for the narrative than you've ever had. Not only that, but you see a new character, and like for me, when I see a new character, I'm like, oh, I hope I get to play as that character, and I doubt that yeah. you get to play as Tails in this game. I... I mean, all of the, like, like, all of the zone intro, like, graphics show Tails in them. See, you say that, uh, I never saw a zone that wasn't, uh, like, Dirty Hole Zone, whatever it was called. Dirty, Dirty Hole Zone. Interesting. Do you guys know what Fraggle Rock is? Uh, yes. Charlie, do you know yes, what Fraggle Rock is? Oh, yeah. I've watched, like, an episode two of that. Why? In Fraggle Rock, there's a character that lives, like, near the protagonist's home. They live in a bit of a hole, like a little Yeah, like, in, cave. A, in a guy's house, and the guy has a Muppet dog. Yeah, 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 Muppets. Um, if they go out of this hole in the back of their home, there's, like, a giant home, like Jack and the Beanstalk style, and... Uh, just outside of that giant's home, before you quite get to their property, there is a uh, character who is uh, a lady named Madam Trash Heap, and she's just a big pile of talking garbage. That's a mood. She reminds me a lot of this game. <laughs> We're talking nice, about like the giant nice. Muppets. Like they're they're like giants, but they're also Muppets. More of the message I was trying to make was that this game is a heap of garbage. I I understand, but you've already got me like. What's what's her name? Madam Oh, Madam Trashy. There we are. Yeah, Madam Trashy. Madam Trashy. Um. <laughs> oh, that's she's she's not. She's pretty cool. She's a great character. She's a wonderful character. This game. Mm. No. The first zone immediately feels like a post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is after Sonic died. It feels like it would not be out of place. Where they add minecarts, but they're not fun. They're just like a one-way ticket. One one-way one ticket to hell. I, I feel like the first zone would not feel out of place halfway through the first game. Oh, it only because we already had Marvel Zone. It's not excusable. <laughs> a, a big problem the second game has is there are a lot more jumps that require Leap of Faith, and there are a lot of situations where Leap of Faith will kill you. All the time. Uh, all the time. There's just pits everywhere, and there are spikes that fall, and you can't always see where the spikes are coming from, and usually yeah. if you ride the minecart, you're just safe, but you don't want to sit in a car and not touch any buttons in a Sonic game. You want to play it. Yeah. There are, I mean, I, I, I think uh, Sky High Zone has this a lot more, which you never played Sky High Zone. I'm going to complain about Sky High Zone when we get to that. But there are a lot of bits where it's like, I feel like the game is trying to teach me not to take leaps of faith, but I keep having to do that because I can't 
like, the place that I need to go is not visible from where I am now. Yeah, I'll give it credit in that some of the ones in the lava area, honestly, the first two acts are blending together in my Sorry, the only two acts, the only parts of this game are blending together in my mind. Uh, in the second yeah. stage, I believe, you're required to jump into just a pool of lava, but if you go far enough, you'll see a bunch of rings, and at the bottom of those rings is a spring, and if you go, you keep going to the right, there's more lines of rings. But the controls in this game are so finicky that if you push too far right, when you try to recorrect, you just won't have enough time, even if you're at the top of your trump arc. Yeah, I know exactly what area you're talking about. That's at the end of Act 1. And I was thinking the same thing when I got to that bit is, as soon as you see rings, you go, oh great, well this is where I'm supposed to stop, and you just don't have enough time. You have too much forward momentum, and you will hit the lava. Yeah, it's, it's unacceptable, but... <laughs> That, like, that's not the only bad part. If that were just the first level, maybe I could get through it and play it. But then you get to the boss of, of uh, what is it actually oh, called? Oh, yeah. Mine, like, mine hole zone? Bee hole it's zone? It's underground zone. Underground there we go, underground zone. zone. Um, you get to this first boss, and immediately when I got to the boss, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a run forward thing where I, like, fight on a slope. This will be cool. I push to the right. I don't see what kills me. I just die when I hit the end of the screen. I'm like, okay. Yeah. My bad, I guess. The exact same thing happened to me. This game is supposed to be about waiting and, and wondering. So, you know, I get up there. I don't I don't push right at all. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's an antlion down there. I must have to, like, jump down and, like, hit him, maybe. And then I do that, and I die. And I'm like, well, okay. So, what's interesting okay. about, this, about this creature is that if you jump into it and hit it, it bounces you off. But if you roll into it, you die. Um, uh, maybe that's what I did. There, I, one of them something I did that, and I died. Uh, there's something that both of the Game Gear Sonic games have done where during the act leading up to the boss, all, during all of Act 3, there are no rings. You are not allowed to to fight bosses with rings. I think I think uh, this is worth talking about, but I want to finish my first experiences with touching oh, this yeah, boss yeah. before you get there. Because there's a wonderful third arc to this amazing amazing detective movie oh yeah i uh learned that this boss is all about standing there right you just can't move or you die because <laughs> if you tap right for a millisecond you slide down the slope like you're playing some sort of ss tricky snowboarding game yeah uh, so yeah, you yeah, yeah. so you stand there like a good little boy and you wait for half an hour and then you see a ball come down and you're just like what and then it's moving too fast its arc changes as it moves and no matter what you do it kills you and you basically have to be clairvoyant to know where it's going to go you just have to get lucky guessing it seven times in a row i think it's eight times actually to beat this boss it's awful it's unacceptable isaiah tell me about what happens before that so <laughs> oh god uh there's a lot a lot to talk about this boss and all bosses I'm gonna start with all bosses. No, no, here's the thing. There's no reason to talk about anything besides this boss because no human being with any, like, reasonable amount of free time is going to want to deal with this. So in all of the Act 3s and all of the bosses uh, for uh, both of these Game Gear games, uh, you don't get any rings, so you just have to beat the boss without getting hit. And the very first boss of the first game is not a problem because he doesn't attack until well after you could have just killed him. The second boss is the same way you can just hold down and you're invincible. <laughs> yeah. This boss uh, literally doesn't let you... The, the way to beat it is to dodge attacks, to dodge eight attacks, uh, and then just let it kill itself. Which honestly... Honestly, that concept seems like a very, like, late 
game boss to kind of put in, like... Yeah. Like, Sky Base Zone, or Sky Fortress Zone in Sonic 2 Genesis, and, uh... But the, the problem... The problem isn't the boss itself, it's not the concept, it's the fact that the stage is designed so that if you move right at all, you die, so you have to be jumping, or else you just die. And if you're jumping, you're going to meet the thing in the middle of wherever it is, no matter what, because it goes up and down so fast, and it changes its arc on the screen. Yeah, yeah, so there's, on, on the screen, you, you've got a downward slope, uh, and then there's a freaking uh, Antlion, what did you the call word. it? Antlion? Yeah. But that downward slope, like, becomes steeper, like, two-thirds of the way through. No, it's even earlier than that. It's like half of it is just so super steep. And you can't be left of that, like, part where it's safe, quote-unquote, because the ball will yeah. spawn too fast and you just won't have time to react. And if you're if you're on the steeper part, you just will fall into that, dude. There's no avoiding it. And I feel like the, that boss would be much easier if it was just a consistent slope the whole time. Yeah, or if the physics were designed, like, for this boss. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I did get past this boss, but I had to resort to not just save stating before the boss, but save stating... I, I was, I'm using an emulator. Uh, save stating after every hit that I dodged, because... I would be like, alright, well, I'm dodging four dudes, and then I just get hit by this one, because they're very difficult to dodge, and you have to memorize, basically, like, the, the pattern of, of where these balls will fall. It's not even about memorizing, because it changes part way through. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm talking about, you have to memorize, because the first, the first two bullets, like, the, the first two balls are, like... Uh, they they fall using the same physics, but with a different starting location. And then the next two bullets have different physics from the first two, and then the third two. So there's like... No, it's entirely random, though. I've played this boss a lot of times. The first bullet does something different each time. There were times when it went really high, and there were times when you just had to jump over it because it was so low, and if you stood there, you died. Oh, interesting. I must have gotten the same RNG because I was using the same, like, safe state. Yes, that is the case. Uh, uh, I was playing yeah. the game the way it was meant to be played because I refused to give this game a pass by even gracing it with, like, well, I'll see what's left. No, I refuse to play any more of this game past this awful, awful, awful boss. I, I okay, I hate this boss a lot. This boss is absolutely a wall, and a wall probably not worth climbing over. Certainly not worth climbing over. But you have journalistic integrity, so you were curious, yeah. I had to, I had to climb over it, because I was like, what if the next level's good? Like... No, it wasn't going to be. There, I, you can't convince me that it was, even if you tried. The next, I will say the next boss is significantly better. I don't care. I can't care. Alright. Uh, I am going to talk, though, about why the next level is worse than this level. Alright, well keep it brief because I just can't even anymore. <laughs> so the next the next zone is called Sky High Zone. I don't want to think about zone. this game anymore. The next zone is called Sky High Zone, and it does a very delightful thing where clouds are springs, except when they're not, and some of them are platforms, but mostly they're not. And uh, who knows which one is which, uh, because I certainly don't. Uh, and I got to see a Chaos Emerald, and I was like, oh, great, well, I'm standing on clouds right now, so if I just keep walking, then I won't fall through the ground and then die. Uh, but then that happened. Yeah, that sounds like like hot, sweaty garbage again. 
it's it's uh, certainly not merely lukewarm, humid garbage. It's it's a step above that into hot, sweaty territory. Charlie, uh, what do you think of the marvel that is Sonic 2 for the Game Gear? Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that about sums it up. Just a big ol' thumbs down. So, uh, what I, uh, two things I want to say. One of them I have forgotten, so I'm going to say the other thing. Um, which is that I got to Aqua Lake Zone, and Aqua Lake Zone was where I stopped. Not because I got a game over, because I actually didn't get a game over, but because I found out that the Game Gear water physics are the worst thing I've ever played. <laughs> so you're telling me that this game doesn't get any better? I can't believe that. I really thought that the programmers knew what they were doing. So I will, I will give it this. There's, there's a bit where if you're in a ball and you hit the surface of the water, uh, you can like bounce on the water and just not get in the water and skip large sections of underwater, which make this level significantly more bearable. But that's only because you're not playing the part of the level that is the level. And then you get to Act 2, where you're underwater the whole time. Not the whole time, but pretty much the whole time. And so then, screw it, it doesn't matter. You can't use the bounce thing. You have to get through the suck the whole time, and it's terrible, and I hate it. So I stopped playing. So, uh, as Charlie put it, yeah. thumbs down, final words of this, uh, this coverage. Yeah, thumb, thumbs down for sure. Uh, I actually am looking at the map data. I almost got through Act 2. Um, I can't imagine I actually, like, what horrors lie beyond, but uh, maybe someday we'll we'll live stream playing the entire game. That'd mm, be fun. No, I'd I'd live stream the first one, but probably not the second one. Well, just we'll just live stream all of them, every Sonic game. Every yeah, I guess until we're dead. I guess we could do that. Uh, Seventy-two hour live stream. We'll take shifts. Seventy. I am actually looking at, uh, apparently after Aqua Lake Zone, is uh, a zone called Green Hills Zone. Oh, yeah. right, with an S. <laughs> yeah, I know that there was like a Green Hill-oriented thing in the game because it's in the demo, but for some reason they don't start you on that, they start you in actual hell where Sonic is climbing out, because yeah. apparently he died in the first Sonic Game Gear game. Also, fun fact, Underground Zone is not... Like, underground is not one word. It's under space ground space zone. Yeah. It's underneath the ground zone. <laughs> yeah. Also, why does Eggman save you from the lava? It's so weird. He could just let you die. That, I, I guess that it's is... torture. It's torture, because no human being is going to be able to beat that antlion. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was very odd that uh, you're, you're falling to your death and Eggman catches you and lifts you up and then pulls you into the boss that you actually fight. It doesn't make any sense. No part of this makes any sense. This game is so... so bad. So that's a thumbs down for all three of us. Yeah, big ol' let's just... six thumbs down total. Six? Uh, thanks for joining us for the podcast. No, hold on. We we got we gotta we gotta say one more thing about uh, Sonic One. Obviously, Sonic Two. This is gonna be a no. But for Sonic One Game Gear, uh, we all gave it a thumbs up. But would we beat the game? That was what we asked last week. We gotta ask that this week. Yeah, would you beat it or should you just play it? Uh, I I would like to go back and try and beat it. I did get. 
I think that the jungle zone is a lot worse designed than the first two in the way that there's just a bunch of unfair stuff in it. Yeah, the uh, the the jumping like <laughs> the layout of platforms, especially there was one bit where uh, I just like couldn't figure out the correct direction to go, and jumping was just leading me to death. Yeah. So I had to I had to fool around with that. It's a little bit less navigable, but the only reason I didn't play through it initially was because I wanted to get to two, and then I got so fixated on my rage for two that I don't think I can play Sonic again for at least 48 hours. That's fair. Charlie, do you, do you have any closing thoughts before uh, we wrap this up? Uh, beat Sonic 1. Fuck Sonic 2. <laughs> For the Game Gear. Let's reiterate yeah, it. Both of the Game Gear. I mean, I'd rather beat the Game Gear Sonic 1 than the, uh, con than the Genesis Sonic 1. So if we had to organize the games in a tier list, I think we can all agree. Sonic 1, 8-bit, Sonic 1... 16-bit, I think? Or is it 32-bit? Yeah, yeah. No, it's 16. 16-bit, and then Sonic 2 8-bit from best to worst. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much an order we all agree on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let us know... <laughs> let us know what order you'd put them in. Uh... <laughs> if any of you like Sonic 2 yeah. for the Game Gear, please... Please tell me why. Actually, very legitimately, I would love to hear a defense of Sonic 2. I don't know why this one apparently got into a collection, and the other one only got into one very specific collection of yeah. Sonic games. I don't know why you'd want to archive the first one less. Oh well. Uh, oh, hey, and here's a fun fact to, to leave out on. Apparently, the Sega Game Gear is still being sold in Brazil to this very day. Don't you mean the Master System? Oh, yeah, the Master System of the Game Gear. Well, I know the Genesis is still being sold in America. Yeah, dude, they love the Master System. They make them in Brazil because they have such high, like, import taxes. Incredible. <laughs> if you would like to say goodbye, go ahead now. So, uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash IsaiahGames, that's I-S-I-A-H, uh, games. Uh, it, I, I said tell me your, your ranking, uh, you could do that on Twitter, that's, uh, what I check when I get notifications. Um, follow me at DrawsCharlie, you'll be my 31st follower unless more people have unfollowed me by then. I only post drawings and occasionally retweet other people's drawings. I like how the assumption is that your Twitter follower count will only go down. It couldn't possibly go up from 31. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks. Thanks for listening.